Amen. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer before you be seated? Jesus, thanks for this opportunity to be here this morning. I pray that you would speak so very clearly to each and every one of us. All across this room, I know that many of us have had different weeks, challenging weeks. I pray that you would clear the air and speak to us. Remove any distractions from our families, our businesses, our friends, and speak directly to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Again, thanks so much for being here this morning. We are continuing our series called At the Movies, which I'm really excited about. You know, I was doing some research this week and came across an article that really tied into this very well about the most famous Christmas gift each year. As you know, you always see this on the news, people being trampled in the stores, there's fist fights, and then there's one toy that manages to make its way to eBay that's selling for like $1,000 when it should be maybe 15 bucks, right? And so I came across this list, and I want to rattle some of these off and see if any of these sound familiar to you. In 1990, it was a Super Nintendo, right? Super Nintendo. Not just Nintendo, Super Nintendo, right? If you're a techie, you might know that the 16-bit era, which is the, the manufacturing process and what's inside this little box, uh, was a big deal. And so these were flying off the shelves. This was the most popular one. In 1996, brought us this guy, Tickle Me Elmo, right? Oh, this was the one that the article said, and you may remember, it caught people as a surprise. It was flying off the shelves, leaving adults to buy them from scalpers uh, or to have fistfights in the streets and have brawls over a Tickle Me Elmo, which I find really hilarious because the whole idea that Elmo promotes is kindness, love, respect, and care for one another, right? Yeah, ridiculous. 2000 brought us this guy, the Razor Scooter. Show of hands, anybody? Razor Scooter? You know, here's the thing about the Razor scooter. It always seems like a really good deal until you factor in the medical bills that'll come to follow because of these things. Uh, elbows, faces, legs, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, 2005 brought us the Xbox 360. Technology, of course, was advancing rapidly at this point. And this sold 5.5 million units in the first six months. So it was a hot item for sure. And here's the thing. These aren't cheap. These have some price attached to them. So imagine if, you know, 5.5 million units is going into your bank account for that, right? Wouldn't you like to be the developer of, of that system? Yeah. In 2010, we had the first iPad. Not like that iPad mini that, you know, whatever, that now has turned back into a cell phone fits in your pocket. The iPad 1. How many of you had an iPad 1? Yeah, a few of you guys right now, they probably won't even charge. They're probably like sitting over in the corner. The dog's using them or whatever. Uh, but this thing sold 300000 in the first day. Crazy, you lunatics. In 2014... The movie Frozen, you know, was all the rage. And so merchandise from this movie Frozen with uh, two sisters, uh, Elsa, Anna, and this singing uh, snowman called Olaf, right, uh, caught people by surprise. Personally, I think they need to just let it go, really. That was free. <laughs> um, if you have young ones, you may know that 2016 was the year of the Hatchimal, right? Now, these Hatchimals are creepy little toys that would hatch out of the shell that they came in, making all kinds of crazy obnoxiousness, 
usually between midnight and 6 a.m., creating everyone in the house now to be up wondering what's going on. Oh, it's the Hatchimal, right? I don't know where these things come from. But if you have an idea of what the, the new, hottest, best toy is going to be and you have an insight to that, let me know because it's all over the place. Well, each of these toys were so specific. They were so unique to the buyer, right? People were willing to do anything to get their hands on these hot items. You know, we all have things in our life that are important to us because of the value that we ascribe to them, right? It, yours probably wasn't on that list. Maybe it was, but probably not. But we have all kinds of things that are important to us because of the value that we place upon them. If you have your Bible, I want you to make your way to Luke chapter 15, mobile device, version Bible app, whatever you use, Bible. We're going to have the words on the screen as well. I'm going to ask you to remain seated because we're going to be in and out of Luke 15 for this whole message. And so instead of standing the whole time, uh, just go ahead and make your way there. So this story will sound a bit familiar because it's about a shepherd and some sheep. In fact, 99 sheep that were all safe and secure and one that wandered away and was, was lost. Now the challenge is in our culture, our context, right here in Muncie, we don't really grasp this idea of a shepherd caring for 100 sheep and one of them wandering away and being caught in a thicket or whatever. I don't know about you. I mean, uh, I, I haven't hung, out, hung around with sheep, with lambs in quite some time. Um, maybe you work in a place and you would describe uh, that work environment as a shepherd environment. Uh, but I'm a little disconnected from this. But I want us to look at these verses and see what it has to say. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 of Luke 15. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose you had 100 sheep and lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the sheep until he finds it? All right, now let's, let's back out of that for just a second. My first thought, and even now, is no. Sheep smell. They're dirty. They're nasty animals, right? Uh, they've been out in the, the countryside. Here's one that's wandered away. But I think my viewpoint just illustrates my lack of connection with what it means to really be a shepherd over sheep in a pasture to care for them, right? So if we dive into the culture and context of what we see here, we would know that a shepherd is there to provide for the needs of the sheep, right? So if they've got 100, they start the day, they're going about the day, they want to have 100 at the end of the day. It's just good principles as a shepherd to not lose any of your animals. If one of the lambs was sick, maybe they'd take it up over their shoulder. They would do whatever was necessary to help provide care to that animal. And so it was important in that culture and context to realize that Jesus is saying, of course you would go after the one. It was like everybody in that season knew you would definitely go after the one. Now, the first time again, I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. An interesting concept here as well when you look at a shepherd and their sheep is that the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd. Now, you may be able to correlate that in your spiritual context with some verses and what that means to you. But I believe that, that sheep would know the voice of their shepherd because they would listen to it day in and day out. 
I mean, they're going through the fields. And if the shepherd, you know, one minute he might be yelling, you know, hey, sheep or whatever. Um, or he may be singing a song uh, going through the day. I don't know about you guys. But when I'm working outside, I like to sing. Luckily, usually I'm with my weed eater or my mower. So the neighbors don't think there's like a, a dead animal over there or something like that. But they would sing to their sheep. And so the, the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd. So let's, let's put this in a little bit more practical context for us. How many of you have pets? Any kind of pet? Okay, so if you lost your dog, let's say, I've got a dog, and if I lost him, I would go down to the corner of our street, I'd make a sign, I'd hang it up there, and it would say, lost dog, black and white, small, 10 pounds, answers to Chico, call this number. All right, and so I would post that up. I would post that all over around town. I'd put my number. Maybe I'd even use social media. Maybe I'd even call some of the radio stations that have like a lost animal alert. I'd go to the shelters and I'd let them know. Now, I'm a, I have a dog, right? So if, if I had a cat, though, it'd be no big deal. Just let it go, right? Just let it, just let it go. Cat people, don't, don't email me. I, I don't care. Uh, but if you lost your animal and, and, it, and, you know, and it wasn't a cat, you would actually care about it. You would go after it. You would try to find it. You would try to bring it home. And that's exactly what we see in this story. Now let's look at Luke uh, 15, 5 and 6. Here it is for you. And when he finds it, he joyfully, joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Can you see this? He goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors. He gets them all together. He says, rejoice with me. Why? For I have found my lost sheep. So what we see is this shepherd puts himself in an uncomfortable position to go after the one lamb, the one sheep that was lost. So I gave you an illustration about an animal. Let's make it even more practical that might overlap a little bit more with what we see in Luke 15. I've got two kids. And let's say that one of my precious kids is kidnapped. Think about that for a moment. Moms and dads, can you put yourself in that situation? Now, you don't get to choose which kid is kidnapped and how long they keep them, all right? You don't get to choose that, okay? But one of my kids is kidnapped, and they are gone. And we have no idea where they are. A day goes by, two days go by, three days go by. And I find and secure my child who had been kidnapped, right? I know certain ones in the church to call who could be really, really helpful and strategic in doing that, right? So we find my child, and I'm going to have a party, we're all invited. You may have to chip in for the food bill, but we're having a great time. We are rejoicing because this one that was lost mattered so much to me that we're throwing a big party. And it's going to be a great celebration because that one mattered. So now you're in the context of this story. Now you get it. Because you know what it would feel like. You know what you would do. You know how you would go after your child and that person to bring them home safely. Because that one matters so much. I want you to see verse 7. Let's check it out. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now here's something really amazing. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd in the gospel of John. And what we see from a good shepherd is a good shepherd will go after the one. No matter the cost, no matter what's going wrong, the good shepherd will step into that situation and go and retrieve the one that is lost, that is hurting, that is broken. 
Don't you love the fact that Jesus is a good shepherd? I know I do. Well, this series is at the movies, and so we're going to dive into the movie that I've selected to help illustrate this point. The movie I've chosen is Captain Phillips, and maybe you've seen it, maybe not, but let me tell you a little bit about it, because I think it illustrates what we see in Luke 15 very, very well, and they just correlate nicely. I think there are scriptural principles that are illustrated throughout this movie that tie in right to Luke 15, where every single one of us will find ourselves in one of these places. And so I want you to check out the trailer right now. So as you can see, this movie is a bit intense, but I think it draws us in to what we see from the Gospel of Luke. Captain Phillips was an ordinary man. He has a wife, he has kids. He was dropped off at an airport one morning. He hopped on a plane. He flew on that plane to the area where his cargo ship would take off hoping that he would get on that cargo ship just like every other day and go from point A to point B with as little trouble as possible. But that's us, isn't it? We go through life just trying to connect the dots from point A to B to C, to make it through life, going from the one thing to the next to the next. Then we finally put our head on the pillow and we realize that one day has moved to the next. We are ordinary people. Now, Richard Phillips knew in 2009 when his cargo ship was taken hostage, he knew that piracy was a big deal in the ocean waters where he was located. In fact, there were over a thousand acts of piracy from 2006 to 2008 in those very waters where his 20-member crew was at sea. There was training and protocol, but it was very limited. They were an unarmed freighter, as you heard in the trailer. And little did they know that Somali pirates were preparing behind the scenes to take over and board their ship. They were preparing specifically to hoist the ladder to the side, to board the ship, to take over, to steal, to kill, and destroy. You know, it reminds me of what I read in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. Let's look at this together. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In your notes, you'll see the first take-home point that I want you to grab and take with you as you leave here today in a few minutes. And it's this. You have a real enemy. The word you're looking for is real. You have a real enemy. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy your life. And his name is Satan. And his sole purpose is to change the destination of your life. He's a pirate who wants to hijack your life, to hold you captive and take your life to destinations that are not planned. You may not notice it, but he's scheming just right around the corner to try to divert your life, to take you not from point A to point B, but to bring other destinations that are not charted by God in your life. In the movie, Captain Phillips looks through some binoculars. We've got a slide of this so you can see exactly what he's looking at. He stands at the edge of the boat and he's looking and what he sees scares him because he sees this is not a fishing boat. This is a real world act of piracy and he sees it just beyond the lens of his binoculars. 
we are called in the same way with our lives to look around us, to evaluate if the waters are clear or if there is a, a real and present enemy who's coming after us. And maybe today you would say, you know what, in my life the, the waters are clear, things are good. I don't feel a real enemy pressing in against me right now. But maybe you would say, you know what, as I look out and as I, as I examine my life, the days of this week, this last month, this season, the enemy is just coming after me time and time again. But what I can tell you is this. If you look out and the waters are clear right now, keep watch because the enemy is real and he wants to destroy your life. They spray fire hoses in the movie. They create a wake that throws one of the boats off course. There were actually two boats initially, but they were able to thwart that one. They spray their fire hoses. They, they shoot signal flares. And each of these efforts only postpones the inevitable attack from this enemy. Here's the second point that I want you to take home with you and really grab a hold of this morning because I think it'll really mean a difference in your life. You cannot provide a temporary defense against a permanent enemy. Get that. You cannot provide a temporary defense against a permanent enemy. In fact, in one of the most intense scenes in the movie was when the pirates found a gap in the defense of this boat. I want you to see what happened right now. We all have gaps in our defense, don't we? Areas where we've let down our guard and the enemy is able to quickly advance and take over our lives. You can be assured that the enemy will look for the gap in your life to attack you. Now, the gap in your life is probably different than the person two or three seats away or across the room. But you have an area that you've left unprotected in your life. Yes, it's different, but we're called to protect those gaps. You cannot provide a temporary defense against a permanent enemy. Now, I don't have time to go into every single detail of this movie, but the pirates take Captain Richard Phillips hostage. And you see in the trailer the orange lifeboat that goes off the side. And in that boat are the pirates and the captain. And they've left the cargo ship and they are out at sea in this small enclosed boat with just a few small windows. It has a few rations. It has very little, if any, ventilation, right? Because it's made to go about in the sea waters. And from this point on, it looks hopeless for Captain Richard Phillips. It looks helpless for him. He is taken captive by the enemy and there's really nothing that he can do about it. You know, all across this room here this morning, we've dressed ourselves up nice, we've brushed our teeth, combed our hair, and we've come to church to sit in this place. But I believe that there are some people here today who feel hopeless, who feel helpless, who feel like they've been taken hostage, taken captive from the enemy. A gap has been found in your defenses, an area where a temporary defense should have been permanent. But we let the enemy board and take over and hijack us from God's best plan. So now we find ourselves sitting in a situation where we feel lost, abandoned, hurt, disconnected from God, not sure of the next step that we should take. Like life is falling 
apart. Now maybe you would say, that describes my life exactly. And maybe you would say, you know what, that that doesn't really describe me, but chances are it describes someone whom you know. Someone who feels like Captain Phillips, helpless, lost, unable to save themselves, drifting out through life, going through the motions of life only to know that they have been hijacked by a real enemy. So as this happens with Captain Phillips in the movie and in 2009 in real life, right in the middle of Captain Phillips feeling hopeless, there were actions that were going on behind the scenes that he was completely unaware of. You see, the United States said, we will go after the one. And even as Captain Phillips was held hostage on that lifeboat, surrounded by the enemy, the U.S. began to scramble uh, ships into the area for a rescue mission. They were staged in the area. And under the direct orders of the President of the United States, they were directed to rescue the one person. America was willing to go after the one and spared no expense doing so. They did whatever it takes to bring the one back to safety. But here's the deal. All this is happening behind the scenes. Captain Richard Phillips is just floating along in a lifeboat with pirates who are angry, hungry, hostile, and it's a bad situation. And he had no idea of what was happening behind the scenes. And so what does he do? He tries to save himself. He does anything he can to save himself, but despite his best efforts, he can't. You see, it was going to take someone much more powerful than Captain Richard Phillips to save him from that situation of being hijacked. I can't help but wonder how many people are here this morning and your life has been hijacked and you've tried by your own efforts in many, many ways to get back on the right track, to to get on the right course, to look the enemy in the eye and say, no, but you cannot save yourself. In the same way that Richard Phillips could do nothing In the middle of that lifeboat, to bring himself to safety, you cannot save yourself from the situation that you're in right now where you're hijacked by the enemy. The third take-home point for this morning is this. It is a spiritual impossibility for you to save yourself. It is a spiritual impossibility for you to save yourself. But Jesus said, I am going after the one. I'm going to rescue the one. The one matters so much to me that I am going to rescue him. One of the most intense scenes in this movie is when it looked like Captain Phillips was not going to make it. I mean, things were at their worst in this boat. But the U.S. says, we're going after the one. And wouldn't it be an interesting thing? The Navy SEALs arrive Captain Phillips has been in this orange enclosed lifeboat vessel, small windows, very little ventilation for days. The door opens up, the pirates are taken care of, the door opens up and the hand of a Navy SEAL reaches in for Captain Phillips. 
And Captain Phillips looks up at that hand and says, you know, I'm good. I'm just going to hang out here for another week or so. I'm just going to float. Won't you circle the ocean one more time? Come back and get me the next time. Not a chance. He knew his desperate situation. And he knew that when that hand reached inside that vessel for him, that that was the hand of safety. That that was the hand that would save his life at just the right time. You know, it reminds me of a place where I've seen that phrase, at just the right time. We see it in Romans 5, 6. You see, at just the right time, time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly friends that is the hand that is the hand that has rescued you that is that is reaching out to you but so many times we go ah, I'm good I'm good And we think that through some other way, we will find salvation and safety from the captivity of our sin and selfishness when we've been hijacked by the one who seeks to destroy us at just the right time. When it looked like there was no hope, no potential, no way out. Listen, we've all been hijacked. We've said yes to sin and no to the Lord many, many times. We've been derailed. We've been hijacked in need of rescue. And Jesus Christ, way bigger than the Navy SEALs, came from heaven to earth to bring the salvation and safety and rescue that every single one of us need. It's the hand that reaches out to us with the opportunity to save our life because Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, wants to pick you up. You are the one. He wants to put you on his shoulders and bring you back to safety, to heal your wounds, to to keep you from saying yes to the enemy again. If you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, you've grabbed a hold of that hand. Get this fact that that is the good shepherd who saved you. And by his grace and his grace alone, are we not floating off aimlessly somewhere drowning in our sin? Can you grab that? Because sometimes we are are believers for so long that we say yes to Jesus a long time ago. And we forget that we should grab a hold of that hand every single day of our journey. It's not a one-time thing. Every single day. You see, the Jesus story is the best rescue story ever told. We were desperate, we were hopeless, we were lost, we were drowning in our sin. We had put up a temporary defense against a permanent enemy who stared us in the face and said, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna take you hostage. And he's done it time and time again. Maybe today you are in the room because a friend invited you here. Or maybe you're visiting from out of town, I don't know. Maybe you're here every single week, but today is the moment when you would say, you know what, I've been missing that. I've been missing the hand of Jesus as I've gone through life. Grab a hold of it. Maybe for you, it's realizing that 
uh, a temporary defense is, is no good. And so it's shoring that up. It's saying, I need a permanent defense against this real enemy that attacks me every day. And for you, I would say, join a small group. Get in covenant community with people who will share life together and commit to it. Make it a part of what you do, of who you are. Gather on the weekends to worship, not when it's convenient, but make it a priority to worship, to fellowship, to serve. In all of those things, that's how, we, that's how we put up a permanent defense against the enemy that comes in and pounds against our life. Because otherwise, we're helpless, we're hopeless. Jesus left heaven on a rescue mission. He came to earth 2,000 years ago. He lived here. He was crucified on a cross. He was beaten. He was mocked. The Son of God, perfect, holy, sinless life given on a cross for you and for me. Now here's a really interesting thing about the movie Captain Phillips for a moment. Did you know it was Easter Sunday when the Navy SEALs rescued Captain Richard Phillips? Easter Sunday of 2009. Did you know that it was Easter Sunday when I was rescued 2,000 years ago? Because Jesus was dead, crucified, and three days later on Easter Sunday, the tomb couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him because the power of God was so great. I don't know about you, but there are things in this world and in my life and yours that can only be overcome by the power of God. And maybe you've tried every other power, every other thing, but today's the day where you say, I'm gonna reach out for Jesus. That hand is there and I'm gonna grab a hold of it. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time today, wherever you are, let me encourage you to grab the hold of the hand of Jesus. Will you stand with me? And I wanna invite you to hold your hands out as if you were to receive a gift during this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder that you were willing to do anything to bring us to safety. Thank you that you love and care for us so much that you want us to have hope and life. And today, I believe there are people in this room who have been drifting aimlessly through life because they've been hijacked by the enemy. And so today, in this moment, can each of us just say yes to you, Jesus? Maybe for the first time, maybe the first time today, can we just say yes to you? We don't have to have it all figured out after that, but help my friends just to say yes, to say, Jesus, I'm grabbing a hold of your hand. I wanna ask you if you will, if you believe these words and you wanna get right with God today, to just repeat these words after me as everyone in the room does. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. Wash me with your forgiveness. Draw me close to you. I need you. And I want to know and follow you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Now look up here. I'm believing as I have in every service this weekend that there are people who are getting right with God 
and initiating a relationship with Jesus Christ in each of these services. Before you leave, if that's you, after this closing song, come to the front and pick up one of these red bags we put together for you. It has a Bible, a devotional book, some other materials. We want to be helpful to you. Let's respond to God and sing.